today I've entitled our talk, Supreme Sacrifice. And I hope that when I'm done, you will have a greater appreciation and a greater understanding of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. Yes, we've done communion many times, we know the story, but I hope that maybe by the Spirit of God you will hear it in a little different light, you will see it in a little different light than maybe you ever have before. And I say that because we're going to look at it through the lens of the Old Testament. Oftentimes we don't go back to the Old Testament to look at all that foreshadowed the coming death of Jesus on the cross. The Israelites were in Egyptian bondage. And about 10 weeks after God delivered them from Egyptian bondage, they went uh, to Mount Sinai. 10 weeks after they were liberated from Egyptian bondage, 400 years. Moses goes up, he receives the law. There's also then instructions given in the book of Exodus from Exodus chapter 16 to Exodus chapter 40 covers about nine months. So they had been delivered for about a year. And then we get to the book of Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, it is a book about worship. God gives instructions because they are to build a tabernacle. And you, if you go back and look in Exodus chapter 40, you will see where Moses was instructed to build a tabernacle. They built that tabernacle, and then God gave very specific instructions how they were to worship God in that tabernacle. One of the things they were supposed to do was to offer to God six sacrifices. Six, what they call, offerings. Out of those six offerings, what we see when we get to the New Testament is we see Jesus fulfills all six sacrifices. All six offerings are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. The reason those sacrifices were given in the Old Testament was all a shadow and a picture that those were incomplete, insufficient, unable to remove their sin because it says the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Only the blood of Jesus. But it was to show them the necessity of a blood sacrifice. It was to show them the necessity and the cost of sin to be in a right relationship with God required a sacrifice. And so that's what I want you to hear and see this morning. And, and they would have to offer these sacrifices year after year after year. But the purpose of the sacrifice, more than anything, was not to remove their sin. It was to temporarily cover it. But more than anything, it was to remind them that they are sinners before a holy God. The sacrifices were there to remind them, you are a sinner and you need to be reconciled to God and only through the blood of that animal can you be temporarily reconciled. Ultimate reconciliation would come when Jesus died on the cross. And so I, I uh, looked at a commentary by Warren Wiersbe uh, called Be Holy uh, in regard to the book of Leviticus. And he talks about three phrases, and I'm going to put the offerings within these three phrases so that it simplifies it for all of us what these uh, sacrifices mean for us. The first three sacrifices we're going to look at have to do with our commitment to God. And then the next sacrifice has to do with our communion with God. So first, our commitment to God, and then secondly, our 
communion with God. And thirdly, the last two offerings have to do with our cleansing from God. So the first one is commitment to God. We see this in the burnt offering. If you go back to Leviticus chapter 1, he talks about the burnt offering. We're not going to have time to read. You have to read through all through Leviticus to look at these different offerings that are there and what was required. Each offering had specific requirements by the people of Israel in offering these to the Lord. So the burnt offering had to be a male animal from the herd or the flock. Uh, Or another option would be it could be a bird. The requirement was the worshiper had to go take this sacrifice to the door of the tabernacle. And there would be a fire on the brazen altar, and they had to put that whole animal on that brazen fire altar so it would be consumed. What is that showing? It is showing total dedication to God. The whole animal was placed on the fire to be burned to say, I am totally dedicated to God. Totally, completely, wholly dedicated to God. That should be our attitude when we come to the table or come to worship the Lord or serve him daily is that is our commitment to the Lord to give him our whole self to the Lord so they had this fire the priest also had to inspect the sacrifice to make sure it did not have any blemishes or defects of any kind what does this remind us of in the New Testament well in 1st Peter 119 it says that Jesus was a sacrifice the precious blood of Christ was given as a lamb without blemish or defect, pointing right back to what was required in the tabernacle. And so we see that in the person of Christ fulfilled. Unless the person was sacrificing a bird, if they were uh, sacrificing from the herd or the flock, they would have to take their hand as the worshiper and the sinner, they'd have to put their hands on the sacrifice for a couple reasons. Number one, it was to identify with the sacrifice being offered. And number two, it was the transfer of their sin to the animal. And it transferred the sin. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin upon him. The sin was transferred to Christ, our sin. He paid the penalty in full for our sin. And that's what they had to do for a burnt offering. They had to put that on there. Uh, before it was consumed. It says that the burnt offering was given to the Lord. Actually, seven times in uh, Leviticus chapter 1, it uses the phrase before the Lord or unto the Lord in the first chapter of Leviticus to say that the sacrifice was to the Lord, not to anyone else. And it was also a pleasing aroma to the Lord. We see this used three times in chapter 1 of Leviticus, that when that smoke went up. It was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, after the flood, when Noah came out of the ark, he built an altar to the Lord, and it says he took some clean animals and some clean birds, and he sacrificed burnt offerings to the Lord. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man. Noah, out of gratitude and thanksgiving to God for sparing his family, from the flood and delivering them and giving them another chance offers this burnt sacrifice to the Lord. How much more should we who have been born again by the Spirit of God, by the blood of Christ, 
give our whole selves to the Lord as a burnt offering. Or for us, the equivalent is Romans 12, 1 and 2. What did Paul say in Romans 12? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. That's the burnt offering for us. It's a living sacrifice that we give to the Lord for what he has done for us. So the question is, how do I show gratitude to God for his sacrifice? You fill in the blank. How are you going to show gratitude to the Lord for his sacrifice? Maybe you will sing him a song. Say, God, I, I worship you. I praise you. Maybe one of the songs we sang this morning, or maybe there's another song that you want to sing to the Lord, or maybe you want to write him a love poem and say, I just want to write you a love poem for the sacrifice that you gave on the cross. The second offering we want to look at is the meal offering. It was also called the grain offering. The meal offering or the grain offering. It was brought to the altar in the tabernacle by the worshiper in one of several ways it could be brought. It could be brought, this seemed like somebody who was into baking because it had to be fine flour, it had to be oven-baked cakes, or cakes baked in a pan, or cakes baked in a frying type of pan, or it could be crushed, roasted heads of new grain. The priest was only required to place a portion of the meal offering on the altar where it was burned in the fire. The rest of the meal offering was given to the priest for his own use. The meal offering could be shared with the males in his family, but it could only be done in the holy place, in the tabernacle and with unleavened bread. The grain is symbolic of the fruit of our labor, of our hands. The fact that God allowed me to raise a harvest and I give him a portion of that back to say thank you for allowing me to do that. The grain offering, though, was never presented alone. It always had to be presented with a blood sacrifice because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It always had to be given with a blood sacrifice. What does this remind us of, the grain or the meal offering? It reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life. The one who is all sufficient to meet all of our needs. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. What do you lack today? Can you bring it to the Lord in prayer and say, God, here's what I need. Here's what I need. I need encouragement. I need strength. I need help to overcome this habit or temptation. I need victory in my life. God has that for every one of us if we're willing to come to him and recognize him as the bread of life. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. His word is the word of life. That's the meal that God has given us is his word. The third offering we want to look at is the drink offering. The drink offering then was provided by the worship after the animal sacrifices were placed on the altar, and it was, but it was also required as part of the sacrifice. Now listen to this about the drink offering. The drink offering, the worshiper nor the priest would drink the wine, but they would rather pour it out on the altar. It had to be poured out on the altar. The burnt offering, the meal offering, and the drink offering are designed to show complete dedication to God 
and commitment of one's life to the Lord. And so they would give that. And here in Isaiah 53, 12, it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Listen to what it says about Jesus' life. Because he poured out his life unto death. There's the drink offering. He poured out his life unto death as a drink offering for us. Even Paul, as he served the Philippians, um, he says this in Philippians 2.17, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And when Paul was in a Roman prison, it was the last days of his life, he knew he was about to be executed for his faith and for the sake of the gospel. He says this, I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. He's pointing all the way back to the Old Testament sacrifice of the drink offering that was required as part of the sacrifice, an offering to God, to be in a right relationship with God. The second aspect we see is not only commitment to God, but communion with God. Communion with God. This is the peace offering or the fellowship offering. Peace offering or fellowship offering. Now here, the worshiper could bring a female animal to offer as a sacrifice, which was not allowed with the other offerings. If the offering was not intended to fulfill a vow to God, this female offered could have some defects or blemishes, and it would still be acceptable. The reason for this is because this offering was going to be used for food. For the priest, the worshiper's family, so the defects would not matter. The peace offering or the fellowship offering was also unique in this. It was the only offering that was to be shared with the other worshipers. Now think about communion. We are coming in to share a meal together. And it's called communion. What is the last part of that word? Union. Unity. One of the joys of celebrating the Lord's table is the unity shared among God's people. The love, the fellowship, the oneness that is there, that's communion. And it is to be a peace offering, a fellowship offering that you and I should not only have peace with God, but we should be at peace with one another. There should be not another person in this congregation ever that we can't sit down next to and share communion with with joy in our heart, and reconciled with. If you are at odds with somebody in the congregation, you need to go to that person and you need to reconcile with them. That's what communion's all about. It's not only communion with God and peace with God, it is peace with one another. And there should not be strife and disunity and discord in the body of Christ. And that's one of the benefits and blessings, I think, of having communion is it, it, it should cause us to examine ourselves and say, is there anything wrong with my relationship with God? Am I in a right relationship with God? Am I in a right relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's crucial that we have that. That is the peace offering that is there. The priest would take a large portion of the meat the rest was given to the worshiper to be shared with his family and friends. 
the Jews rarely slaughtered animals for meat. They mostly did it for sacrifice. So when they actually did this to have meat, it was a special treat for them to have this kind of meal together. When Solomon dedicated his temple to the Lord in the Old Testament, it says they sacrificed, listen to this, this is hard to imagine, 142,000 peace or fellowship offerings were sacrificed for the people. They had a banquet for two weeks of fellowship and peace offerings to participate together. You see, one of the cultural customs of people in the East was that family and friends would eat together. It means they had good relations with everyone around the table. And so should we around the Lord's table have good relations with everyone around the table. The peace offering allows us to enjoy a good meal and fellowship. It allowed the worshipers to express their joy and thanksgiving to God. It was also to show that the worshiper's sins had been forgiven and he had been reconciled to God. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, the Bible says he purchased our peace with God. There's the peace offering. In Colossians 1.20, it says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the only way we can have fellowship with God. He died on the cross that I could be reconciled to him. That God's anger and wrath poured out on sin was put on Jesus. My sin, my wrath, he took for us. Then we go on and we look at the cleansing from God. This is, there's two offerings. This is the sin offering and the guilt offering. Or some people would call the sin offering the trespass offering. The sin offering or the guilt offering, cleansing from God. Very similar requirements. The guilt offering was, the purpose of it was for individual sins that impacted people and property and was designed for a person to make restitution for what they had wronged. In other words, if you wronged somebody, you would go make it right. You would pay that person back. You would take care of that debt. We see that in Zacchaeus. Remember, he paid four times. The Bible says he would pay up to four times the amount, he said, to make his wrongs right as a tax cheat that he was in the New Testament. We also see... The sin offering. The sin offering was instituted to allow a person to be reconciled to God by atoning for a sin that was committed without deliberate intent. Sometimes people commit sin without deliberately intending to commit that sin. It wasn't done in rebellion or to intentionally violate God's law, but nevertheless they violated his law. And therefore they offer this sin offering to the Lord. The sin offering focused on the damage or injury done to others by the offender, while the sin offering was focused more on the offender's guilt before God. It was the priest's job to even question the offender and determine what the appropriate sacrifice should be for his particular offense. And it's interesting because in this offering, 
the priest would actually look at the ram to see if it was worthy enough to be equal to the value of the sin committed. To say, is he offering something cheap or is he giving something costly? Why? To show that there is a high cost for sin. And the higher the position of leadership, the higher the cost. That's what was required. The trespass offering or the sin offering was to remind the offender it is very costly for a person to commit sin and for God to cleanse that sin and forgive that sin. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 53.10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So in, in, in summing all this up, these offerings remind us of the horribleness of sin. Our need for repentance of our sin, the holiness of God, that we're accountable to God for our behavior, while our actions may be hidden or unknown to others, they're never hidden or unknown to God. We also see the grace of God in providing a substitute for sin. The penalty for our sin requires death, and Jesus died in our place. He is all we need. He is our burnt offering. Therefore, we must commit ourselves to Him, to dedicate ourselves to God's will. He is our meal offering. He was the kernel of wheat that was put in the ground and was crushed to become the bread of life for us. And we can feed on Him and satisfy every hunger of our soul. Jesus is our drink offering, who poured out his life on the cross, whose blood was drained from his body to pay for our sin, the only perfect sacrifice God would accept. He is our fellowship or peace offering. Without him, we cannot have a personal relationship or have intimacy with God. He is our sin and guilt offering. He took our sins on his body and he paid the price for our redemption. That's what he did for us. And let me just read this quickly from Hebrews chapter 10. We just did a, a quick survey of several chapters in Leviticus. That's the law that God required. But he says the law in Hebrews 10 is only a shadow of the good things that are coming not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. He's saying you can make sacrifices year after year and it'll never make you perfect. That's why they stopped those sacrifices. He says, for the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all if those sacrifices would have worked and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here am I, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God." He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all.
He is the supreme sacrifice for sin. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And while we do, to prepare to receive the elements. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.